Welcome to Jumpstart Your Joy. I invite you to join me as we explore what it looks like to choose joy in the messy middle while embracing the inspiration, intention, and action that you can take to find joy in your every day. This is your host, Paula Jenkins. Welcome to episode 281 here on Jumpstart Your Joy. This week, I am so excited to have Heather Chauvin joining me for a second time on the podcast. Heather is a coach and a brand new author. She just released her book, Dying to Be a Good Mother. And I was delighted that she reached out to share a conversation about this book where she talks all about self-care and how to be a parent in difficult times and so much of her own journey, which involves a stage four cancer diagnosis, offers so much insight into what we all are going through in the messy middle here in this pandemic and difficult time. So I'm really excited to have her come on and I think you're really going to enjoy this conversation. Before we get there, I want to give you all a very warm welcome and say thank you so much for tuning in to Jumpstart Your Joy this week and always. If you're new, Jumpstart Your Joy has been around since 2015 and we're 281 episodes in. It's very exciting. You can find out more if you're curious about past episodes or want to give a good old binge listen to some of the great interviews of the past. You can find them at jumpstartyourjoy.com. And while you're there, you can also find episode notes, which include links back to Heather's website and her book. Those will be at jumpstartyourjoy.com forward slash episode 281. While you're on the site, there's a couple of great, amazing things there for you as well. I have also just released my own brand new book, which is titled Jumpstart Your Joy, Heart-Centered Ways to Find Joy in the Messy Middle, which of course is talking about the things that we're talking about this whole season is how do we find joy right now when things are difficult and uncertain. And so you can pick that up at my website. There's a link right at the top, Navigation labeled book. You can find it there or it is on Amazon now as well and other booksellers. <laughs> While you're on the website, you can also sign up for my newsletter where I send out some insights and joyful things uh, usually every other week. And that is also right there on the homepage. Um, so I think you're really going to enjoy this conversation with Heather because we talk so much about joy in the messy middle and how do we find it? How do we get there? And how do we set our sights on it? But the way that Heather talks about joy and being in a place of feeling good is so aligned with what we talk about here on the show. We talk about how joy is a choice and that you need to show up and do the work for joy to show up as well. She also references that while you're trying to get to the place of joy and make things easier or better in your life, that showing grace to yourself in all situations softens that situation and makes it easier to feel joy. And I think that's so important right now because it's hard to give ourselves grace when everything feels so difficult. You'll hear us talk about uh, the red, yellow, and green levels that she uses with her clients and her family to describe how are you feeling in a moment and how do you get from, you know, yellow if you're kind of feeling middle-ish <laughs> into green if you want to feel more joyful. So let's just jump right on in. Welcome to the show, Heather Chauvin. Paula, I'm so excited to be here. Thank you. Yes, it's a real treat. Well, the first thing, and you answered this last time, but I like to ask people, what were the earliest sparks of joy? What do you think of when that that phrase comes up for you? Honestly, and I don't even remember if you did ask me this, where, what I said, but the first sparks of joy probably weren't, 
I don't think of a joyful childhood or things that bring me joy. Maybe it's because it's closer, but just actively seeking out joy as an adult. Now it's like being able to sit and drink like a cup of coffee and like watching my kids play and being able to feel the joy and the gratitude. Like that to me is just absolutely priceless. But I feel like my relationship with joy has definitely changed over the years. And I think it's interesting because as I'm also a mother and I have a 10 year old and there is something there about learning to appreciate what is joyful now, but also how it, once you become a mother, it does change how you even see your own childhood in a way. I think you just cracked open a whole can of worms for me. And I'll just be thinking about this all day around like the evolution of joy, because it does shift after motherhood and really being able to redefine it for yourself. That is, I'm getting goosebumps and it ties in so beautifully with your journey as well. And Mm -hmm. and that's kind of what your book is about. Would you like to share a little bit about that with us? Seven years ago, I was diagnosed with a stage four cancer. Uh, It was a rapid, what they call it, Burkitt's lymphoma. And it was just these abdomen, these tumors growing in my abdomen. And I just thought I was swollen. I remember just neglecting myself to the point where joy could not even seep into my bones. It wouldn't even, I wouldn't even allow it anywhere near me. Right. Cause I had the belief that I had to suffer and things needed to be hard in order for me to be perceived as a good mother in the world. And I was still running my business. It was very child focused. So I have a social work background and my, the pain point that I was solving for parents was children's behavior. And so they would come to me, we would talk about the behavior, dissect the behavior, give tools and strategies. And I put everything into my clients. I put everything into my mothering. Um, I put everything into everybody else. And literally inside my body was deteriorating until it just kind of stopped on me. And I went to the hospital and they diagnosed me almost immediately with cancer. We didn't know what kind. And there was this weird moment, Paula, where they said, Heather, based on your CT and your blood work, we know you have cancer and your age. We just don't know what kind. Mm -hmm. And my first thought or reaction was, I already knew this. Mm -hmm. I already knew I was sick. It was like my intuition was trying to get my energy and attention the whole time. And yet there I was not able to stop and listen and trust myself. So I operated from this place of go, go, go more, more, more achieve, achieve, achieve. And being the smart using air quotes, intellectual, intelligent woman, all the things I hired help. I hired mentorship. I read the books. I listened to the YouTube videos. I listened to the podcast and it was hard work hard work. You want something, you got to go for it. Wake up early. You know, if you got to work after the kids go to bed, do that. And no one was teaching like, Hey, you can be the mother you want to be. And you can also go after your dreams. You don't need to shove the whole cookie in your mouth all at once. Let's take little tiny bites. And yeah, so I stopped and completely realigned how I was showing up in every aspect of my life. And I am way more, I'm healthier, more successful, um, happier in alignment, content than I've ever been in my entire life. So amazing. Well, and there's so many pieces there that like 
one, the, the intuition and trusting yourself and knowing that you were sick. I'm recalling a moment back when my son was born where they, they wanted to do, um, a procedure on him right after he was born and he's a newborn. And I'm yeah. like, uh, no, like that's not what's needed here. And it took a lot of strength to vocalize that and to say that out loud. Cause I was also just out of labor, <laughs> but like, how have you found that you can lean into trusting that intuition? Cause I feel like that's a muscle that maybe we don't mm -hmm. all trust or know about, or have been taught to question or something. Can I just say that that takes it, it, it's almost like you go into this other realm. We're limitless, our potential, and our bodies are very wise. Like our bodies and our minds and our souls and our spirits, whatever you want to call it, that part of yourself that you can't explain is very, very wise. And for some reason, we disconnect ourselves from energy and disconnect ourselves from that voice, that like knowing. And then do the same thing for our bodies. Like, Oh, didn't have time to eat or drink water today. It, and then the body's like, Oh my gosh, why are you doing this again? Now I'm going to go in survival mode. I'm going to try to shut you down. All right. I'm going to give you a cold so that you can take a break. And then we're like, Oh, I'm sick. Okay. I'll rest for two days. Okay, good. I'm good again. The body's like, Oh my gosh, she's doing it again. Okay. Let's give her another cold. Let's give her something else to get her attention. And but we also have to remember that we are powerful. We do need to remember that it is our birthright to feel good. We do need to remember these things. And I've been reflecting on this a lot as a white woman living in a privileged culture. When I say I have a birthright to feel good, here's my take on it. Yeah. I have the opportunity to feel good. If I really try, it's going to be gritty and I'm going to piss some people off, but I have the opportunity to do that. So when I step into that space of, I deserve to feel good and I'm done with the suffering and bullshit, what do I do? I, I have my little machete and I'm cutting down the tall grass and I'm blazing a trail for the women behind me. I'm raising three boys, so I'm not raising the next generation of women but I'm raising boys who will understand what an empowered woman looks like. And then I'm also showing leading the way for maybe women who do not have the same opportunity that I do and whatever it is from the abundance or excess or impact that I can make with my message, with the money that I make, with my time, with my energy, with my voice, I can make a ripple effect for other people who maybe do not have the same opportunity as me right now to feel good. And we have to really rise above and to show up. So it is actually a act of courage mm -hmm. to say, no, no, thank you. I'm not going to do that. Deep, deep down when we get quiet, there is this inner wisdom and knowing, and we have just been taught not to listen to it. And yeah. so apparently it is a courageous act to say one moment sir, let me go back. You know, when I was diagnosed with cancer, I had to be a health advocate for myself. And not only did I go, okay, you have cancer. Wow. You kind of secretly already knew that, but you know, when the doctor's like, we're going to do this, 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 this. And, you know, I asked for a second opinion. I was misdiagnosed the first time and I received feedback from, um, 
you know, female family members that would say to me, do not question your doctor. And I would look at them and say, thank you for sharing. I'm going to do it anyways. And I got pushback and I even got professional pushback and I believe it saved my life. So you, you need to be able to say, thank you. I value your professional opinion and what about this? And it's a collaboration you're co-creating constantly. Yeah. Yeah. That's super powerful. And for for listeners, I recently had a doctor on Dr. Amy Avazade, who's a fertility expert, but she talks about the same thing of like women often just know, like they know deep in their bones what's going on and that she asks people, well, what do you think? What do you think's going on? Like, let's do this together. But I think what you've just said is finding that doctor and finding someone who will do that co-creation with you of, of stepping into the space and listening completely to what you have to say. I can truly be life-changing. I mean, it's, that's uh, the most important relationship if you've got a diagnosis. Yeah, go ahead. I had that on my team because I took a very uh, integrative approach and part of it was I had to surrender to Western medicine. I came from a, you know, I, I drank the online Kool-Aid and did the wellness space, green juice, smoothies, yoga, you know, you manifested this somehow and the shame and all of that. And then I'm like, okay, but you were also living in a crisis state, Heather. You didn't do the due diligence of actively trying to be proactive and live in a healthier thrival state. So guess what? You don't really get to choose right now because you ha- you're like, you're on de- knocking on death's door. And so I did an integrative approach and I remember having this naturopath who specialized in oncology and, you know, we worked with the other team and all of that. And every time I'd walk into her office, it it was a different energy. It was, there was a space of hope and possibility and what feels good to you? What is your capacity? You know, kind of shifting the conversation when you do this with your children as well, you're giving them their power back. And that that's what this is about is you are wise, you know what you need and how can we do this together? That's how you make magic happen. And you're also taking a lot of the internal pressure off yourself of like, I need to know everything. It's like, no, I'm willing to show up for you. We'll figure this out together, but I don't need to do the work for you necessarily. Yeah. I love that you've tied those two things together because it really, it's like a relearning for both ourselves as a mother, or if someone's in healthcare and and seeking health that way, or it's also the same thing when we look at how do we interact with children, because it's reteaching us to trust ourselves and it's showing them that it's okay. We don't have to just do it one way. I also have real resistance to labels. So Mm. when people, and I, I talk about this in the book around like labeling our children and also ourselves. But when people say it's the I am statement, I am a rebel. I don't listen to anybody. Okay, great. But there's a shadow side to that too, right? Like if you're trying to blaze your own path, you got to do that. But sometimes people you're like getting so stuck in your own way and people are like, I'm just going to sit over here, like waiting for you to show up. Like I can see where you're getting stuck and you're like, nope, 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 nope. So I used to be that way. And I had to surrender a little bit because we got to keep the good, but we also have to be very mindful of the shadow sides. And when it comes to parenting, I see a lot of times we're seeking that diagnosis. We're seeking that label. I'm like, and what, like, what are you going to do? 
after you get a diagnosis of what's going on with your child's behavior coming from the social work world. Great. Now you have a diagnosis. Now you have a treatment plan. You can, you know, play the system, but your child still doesn't know how to feel in control of their big emotions and you're reacting. What are you going to do about that? We talked with the zones, like the red, green, yellow zones um, of regulation. Could you talk through what those are and how, how they play out in your life or how you use them? Mm-hmm. There's so much shame in motherhood too, and judgment. And what I have found is of course, we are our own worst critics and the shame and the judgment is typically coming really strong from within, even though we may be judged or we are judged outwardly too. But I even just reflecting stakes or when we do something we're not proud of a simple, I'm sorry, let me try again can go a long way with our children because I cannot recall once my parents saying that to me. And I mean, they came from a different time, right? You know, do as I say, not as I do all of that, you know, I'm the authority, whatever. And everyone's parenting is different. So when we explode or when we're yelling or when we're doing these things, we are in our red zone. Mm-hmm. And then when we're feeling great, we are in our green zone. And then there's this messy middle, which is called yellow. And what I hear from people a lot is I go from green to red, or my child goes from green to red. And the answer is no, they don't. There is a yellow. You just have to be mindful of it. And I truly believe this is where self-awareness comes in. This is where living mindfully and intentionally and emotional intelligence starts to come in because When I'm about to lose my mind and I can only talk about myself, sometimes my yellow zone is a few days, right? Like you're starting to fall off the habits. You wait too long to eat. You're procrastinating. You're rushing out the door and you have to be mindful of these things, but also watching how your body is physically reacting. So sometimes you're getting sweaty palms. Sometimes your stomach, it's like the volcano is about to erupt And it's been interesting to watch myself over the years of how I'm like going to the next level, next level, next level, because what used to drive me insane with my children no longer triggers me at all. Now it's kind of a language that we use in our house where my husband will say, I'm pretty close to red, which means don't talk to me, or I'm just having an off day or I'm feeling good, or I'm kind of in the yellow zone and your children will use that too. And so my clients and even just people who listen to my podcast or have read the book will say things to me, like it's a communication now from small, small children where uh, mom, I'm in my yellow zone or mom, I'm in my red zone. And people often are trying to solve problems in the red zone, which you can't. So if you've ever done this with a child or a partner and you're like, Hey, let's talk about money and the partner goes from green to red you that is your cue oh I see you're not ready to have this conversation we'll try again tomorrow and I've shown this to parents many times when they're trying to communicate and create I always say you have to live in alignment with how you want to feel if you want to feel connected to another human you're not going to argue with them oh I don't like confrontation I'm like I never have confrontation I've had to have uncomfortable conversations But one, I don't wait until it's gone to the red zone. I'm like, oh, there's something that needs to be talked about. Let's talk about it today and say, hey, like this came up. And it's like in a gentle, loving way, there's no stickiness about it. But when you've waited too long, which is fine, we've all waited too long. And that person goes to the red zone. 
I just never try to solve problems in the red. So I say, oh, let's have this conversation tomorrow. Or if it's a small child and they, you're not talking to them about that, you're not trying to teach them about tying their shoes when they're in the middle of a tantrum. So, well, we have to stick with it. And I find we're so reactionary as humans and especially as women and moms, we're not living proactive lives. We're living reactive lives. And then we're blaming our children for our red zones. And it's a different lifestyle. I mean, my whole brand is built off of motherhood and I do not identify with the current motherhood culture, like at all. So when I go to a child's activity pre COVID, when you can actually do that. And, you know, a woman is trying to connect with me around, you know, she has children. I have children. And she's like, you must be so busy. Like she's trying to connect with me through exhaustion and red zone activities. You must be so busy. And I'm like, I can't even connect with you on that level. Like, there is another way come over to my other side. Recognizing when someone else is trying to connect with you on calling it the red zone or like anything that's even kind of controversial or that water cooler talk about how bad is it here at this workplace or like there is a mindful way of redirecting that. And I, I love that that's not a place that you are wanting to connect with people and that you can mindfully then I'm imagining because I've had people say that too. I mean, with a business and a kid and all that, like, oh, you must be so busy. And they kind of want to hear the shock story of how bad it is or something. And I'm like, well, my life is very full. Yeah. Full, not busy. It's full yeah. by choice. Yes. All of it by choice. Yeah. That's an interesting thing too. I wonder if some folks aren't really seeing where they've had a choice in all the decisions that have led them to, frankly, their own red zone, right? Like- Where's the accountability and ownership in what you're doing and how you could bring it back off of red? I also see that the red, yellow, green is a really lovely way of naming things for a family, especially if if people are still quarantining or, you know, in a space where things are hard right now. So this is a nice way of saying, hey, I'm in the red. Like, that doesn't mean it's about you, other person. It means that's where I am. And so I just need a little space. And Mm -hmm. let's just be very transparent around all of the articles that I'm seeing about how unsustainable this pandemic has been for women and working women and mothers. And, you know, people are like, oh, now more than, you know, now more than ever, women are extra stressed. And it's like, no, no, no. We've always been stressed, but now there's extra pressure, whether you're a corporate business owner, whatever that looks like. If you are living in a state of survival mode, so there's a little triangle that I talk about in the book, survival, it's on my TEDx too, survival, momentum, thrival, and then like this creative abundance state. If almost every aspect of your life your money, your time, your energy, your health, your relationships, your work are living in a state of survival mode or your mentality, you are always feeling like never enough. So when a pandemic hits and you're like, crap, I lost my job or crap, I'm not getting clients. Where are you in your financial state? Are you pulling your emergency fund out? No, because you don't have one, right? So we realize how unsustainable our lives are. And I'm going to be honest because when this started, 
I was actually very grateful for cancer because it was a reminder to me that I've been here before. And when COVID started and the pandemic was going down, I had a little bit of like deja vu of, oh, I've had this feeling before. And from, you know, it's been almost six years of getting my shit together, right? Like Mm -hmm. six years of looking at every area of my life that was no longer sustainable and trying to seal those energy leaks and really giving myself permission to step into who do I want to be? How do I want to feel? What do I want my financial situation to look like? How do I want my business to be structured? How do I want to parent? What's the connection I want? And getting everything, all my ducks in a row and doing the work for six years, I could sit back as a breadwinner and say, we're okay. We're going to be okay. Everything is figure outable, but we have also prepared for this. And, um, it was fascinating to see how unsustainable women are one being treated and two living their lives and not taking responsibility. And I walk that fine line between saying not taking responsibility and those opportunities not being granted to them. So I say to people, listen, what you do have control over, please try to control. And it's going to make you incredibly uncomfortable to say, nope, I don't have the capacity to do extra work just because you are uncomfortable. It's, we have to stop people pleasing. We have to look at our fears and say, I'm terrified. I'm going to lose my job if I say no to this, but it's not in my job description. Regardless if you have children or not, you deserve to feel good. You do not need to overcompensate because you have nobody to go home to. You deserve to get a good night's sleep. And we have to really implement those boundaries and take a stand for how we want to feel. Yeah. Mm, Yes. Well, and it's interesting because we, we have parallels, obviously not exactly the same, but I went through my own thing in 2010 where the birth of my son, son was way too long and I was diagnosed with PTSD afterwards. And I, I feel exactly what you said is that in a very different way, clearly, but that I had to figure all that stuff out. And this has probably, meaning the pandemic, not been as hard for me in many ways, because I already had had, like you said, filled those gaps of where can I actually put my energy in a way that feels good. And I mean, and I get to talk to talk about joy every week too, but like, <laughs> like how can we align our lives in a way that we're not just giving away all of our energy, especially when you, like you said, I mean, we're working the, the third and the fourth shift right now, whether that be at, you know, at home and then as a breadwinner and as the person helping kids with their schoolwork and, and then doing homework, like the whole thing is too much and it's unsustainable. And so we have to acknowledge that, but also ask others for help and let it, let it not be acceptable that all the odd jobs and all the other weird little things that don't get done in a home fall to us. I mean, that's just, everybody lives here. (laughs) expectations, expectations. So my husband works at home with me within my company. And it's been like that for a few years. He has the capacity to help the kids with the education. And I always say, what would I do if that was not available? I may have hired somebody 
or I may have said, guess what? You get a year off of education and we are doing unschooling, no expectations, right? Like, or, you know, you're going to go to school and we have the option to keep the kids home or send them in school right now. You got to go to school. I'm sorry. Mom's got to work. But here's the thing. There's this perfectionism that comes out of I'm doing it wrong. And my house is not perfectly clean. I just make it sure it's half decent behind what you can see right now. And then (laughs) hence my screen. (laughs) Exactly. And rising the kids to show up. Like, you know, when you have a 16 year old and they don't know how to do laundry yet or to make themselves a sandwich, I'm sorry, buddy, you're going to be really hungry. And it, this, we want to raise calm, confident, independent children. And yet they don't always know how to wipe their own ass because we are overcompensating. Yeah. Yeah. Very well stated. And this is a great time for everyone to have that ability to, to say, well, why don't you try that? Like there's no rights and wrongs in how you make a peanut butter sandwich. And here we are overcompensating in the middle of a pandemic. Like the pandemic is our problem, meaning like we caused this. So, Oh, we caught, like, we didn't cause it, but we're going to take it all on. Mm -hmm. Right. It's like, I didn't do this. How about we just drop all of the balls and sit with our discomfort of why we pick them all up in the first place. Yes. Mm, That is so good. Yes. My children are loved. They are fed. And I literally say, I'm like, do you feel love today? They're like, yes. I'm like, okay, good. I didn't yell. We're good. (laughs) You're safe. Good. Yeah. Well, and I love the idea of letting the balls drop. And then maybe some of them didn't ever need to be in the air anyway. Like there's a whole bunch of stuff I bet we're doing that if we just let it go, everyone's still fine. Yeah. And I love that idea of like, what were, what are the priorities for right now? And I named them for myself, which is kindness. I want structure and I want a little bit of cleanliness. I love that you uh, brought up the messy middle because season six here on the podcast is all about how do we find joy in the messy middle, which is where we're at right now. And I don't know if you want to share some thoughts about that or kind of in the space of the yellow zone. Maybe the, the better question even here is more contextual, which is like, how do we find our way back into green if we've been in yellow? Because I feel like that's kind of a similar thing of like, where's joy? It's probably more in the green zone. Well, I I agree with you that joy is in the green zone, but I almost feel like joy is the goal. Mm -hmm. I was watching an interview the other day and I'm going, I'm paraphrasing here, but it was with Seth Godin, the author, his new book, which actually I have right here. It's called The Practice. And, but he was explaining this like metaphor and how he's like, okay, you're on the swim team, the national swim team, and your coach is just drilling you, telling you your little flutter kicks suck and that you're not good enough, right? You got to tweak here, do this, do this, do this. So you're in the messy middle. You're like, nothing's ever good enough for this coach. I hate this person. Like I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. Right. You're pushing yourself and you're constantly one degree better. And you're like, yeah, go, got to get that medal, whatever. Okay. You're at a local public pool the next day a child is drowning in the deep end. What do you do? You are going to jump in and probably save that child even quicker than any average person because of the training that you did in your swim team. Yeah. You're not sitting there doubting yourself. You just go in rescue mode and you make it happen. And that is what 
joy is for me. Like you have to fight for your joy. I had to fight for my joy. It was, it's a daily choice, a daily choice. Just this day, today, this morning, I decided I was going to be a hero and wake up at five o'clock in the morning. Did not wake up at five o'clock in the morning. I kept hitting snooze. You know, I'm not perfect all the time, believe it or not. So then I wake up and I knew I had to work on this speech at the end of the month. I'm doing a speech competition. And today I was like, why did you do this, Heather? Why did you commit to this process? And I'm like, I'm out. And I'm like, you can't be out because these people have already advertised and your face is all over the place. Like you got to do this. You've got to show up. I'm like, I'm scared. It's not going to be good enough. And as I'm sitting there in front of my computer, pretending that I have writer's block and I can't do this and whatever I, in my head was like, I'm done with your pity party. Show up. You need to choose what you truly want and desire. And even though you're in the messy middle and it feels terrifying and scared, right? You're terrified and scared. What are you going to choose? Are you going to feel proud of yourself when you back out of this? No. So show up. So then I said, okay, Heather, you're going to put on a timer for 20 minutes. You have 20 minutes to pretend that you can do this. And I showed up and guess what? The floodgates opened and those 20 minutes were done. But I'm telling you right now, you have to choose. It is a moment conscious, intentional decision. You do not just wake up in the morning and say, oh, I'm motivated. Oh, I'm inspired. Oh, joy is here today. You got to seek that shit out. And it is an active practice. Oh, I fully agree. Amen there. (laughs) Yeah. The cornerstone quote that has bubbled up and actually that kind of sits at the the base of of the show is all about joy being a choice and that we must keep choosing. And it's by Henry Nouwen, which he's a, he's a theologian, but I I think it is so true. And I love the idea of just saying, I'm going to set this timer and 20 minutes, we're going to pretend that is who we are and that we can do this because yeah, it's a process. And there have definitely been many things in the recent (laughs) past, even today, probably that, yeah, I don't really want to do that, but I do really want to do that. And I think sitting with that discomfort and making the choice that aligns with joy is, is the way out or is it, is it the way to find joy in the, in the messy middle for sure? Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. And then having grace with yourself when, Mm. you know, you don't wake up at five, but you kind of broke that promise to yourself and I just find the recovery period is so much quicker when you're like, okay, that didn't happen today, but wow, 10 years ago, you would have never catched me out of bed before noon. And I would have been lethargic all day and depressed and whatever, you know, wherever you were, it's looking at evidence of how you are actually progressing. Yes. Because if you're growing, it is not comfortable. Would you like to share how it is that you work with people if somebody wants to find you? And also, of course, where can we find your amazing book? Yeah. So my name, so Heather Chauvin, last name spelled C-H-A-U-V-I-N.com. You'll find everything, coaching, book, there's a book tab. And I truly believe it's about giving yourself permission to want what you want. And Dying to be a good mother is a prescriptive memoir. And what that means is it's my story and it's not just my cancer story. I didn't want it to be a cancer story, but it comes together about how we're dying to be good in the world and how we can live to feel in alignment 
there's some strategy to take the next steps and to learn about how to manage your energy and not your time and like the zones that we talked about. And uh, I'm very active on Instagram as well. So my name, Heather Chauvin, and my podcast, Mom is in Control. I love it. I will link up to all of them. Thank you so much. Well, let's close this out with the last question that I ask everyone. And that is, what are three ways that you can think of to jumpstart joy in your life, in the world, or in other people's lives? Tell people, instead of saying, I don't have time, say, I don't have the capacity for that right now, but thank you. Pen and paper, write down, wouldn't it be nice? And then give yourself five minutes to just write down everything that your soul is craving. And number three, lock yourself in the car or the bathroom and buy yourself some headphones or earplugs. Earplugs are a secret parenting strategy to help you calm down your nervous system uh, so that you can be more present and not so triggered and just give yourself that silent space. I love it very much. I especially like that writing prompt. Thank you very much. Yeah. Thanks so much for being on Heather. It's been such a treat to get to catch up again. Thank you, Paula. Heather, thank you so much for being on the show this week and congratulations on your brand new book. If you want to find out more about this episode and some of the links of the things that Heather and I talk about, you can find the show notes over at the website at jumpstartyourjoy.com forward slash episode 281. You can also find Heather on Instagram where she is celebrating the launch of her new book as well. And she does have a free training course. The link to that is also in the episode notes. While you're on the website, be sure and check out my book as well, all about finding joy in the messy middle. You'll find that at jumpstartyourjoy.com. And there's a link right at the top of the website right now that says book or look for it on Amazon. For the next episode, I'm going to be doing a solo cast. And then after that, there are several really amazing conversations lined up to share with you over the next couple of months. I will be talking to Erica Corday, and she is a diversity, equity, and inclusion specialist. And I'm also talking to Lauren Artress. She is the founder of Veritas and she is the founder of the modern labyrinth movement. And it was a real joy to get to speak to her about labyrinths and how she found her way to making that her life's work. I'm also going to be talking to Andrea Owen about her brand new book that's coming out as well. And last but not least, I'll be talking to Sonia Renee Taylor about the body is not an apology. Uh, it's going to be just so good. So I hope you will, will come back for each and every one of those conversations. And until then, I hope that your day is filled with so much joy. 